Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the 526th episode of the Sales Podcast. I'm Wes Shea for the Sales Whisperer, your host. Today we have Edmund McCormick, smart dude, uh, securities, uh, licensed securities guy, started a hedge fund. Uh, used to work at MySpace and Apple. We get into all that, uh, but he's focusing on the crypto space. So we get into how he launched uh, and why he picked this particular industry. Uh, if you've been listening for a little while, back on episode 492, I had Eric Voorhees on, a uh, well-known uh, individual in the crypto space, kind of um, trying to explain Bitcoin and cryptocurrency to everyone. Uh, not too long ago, episode 515, had Nick Batia on. Um, I've got his book, Layered Money. Uh, he's a USC professor, uh, smart dude, though, in the crypto space. And uh, he, in his book, you know, he really explains the, the history of money, which you need to understand, uh, how we got here and where he thinks it's going. Um, you need to understand this blockchain Bitcoin, Ethereum, cryptocurrency, NFT space. Uh, it is here to stay, you know, whether it takes over the world and displaces the, the U.S. dollars, the world's reserve currency, blah, blah, blah. That's, that's a whole nother topic. Um, I think we're slowly heading that way. Obviously, big governments are not going to let that just happen. Um, regardless, it is affecting the world. Uh, what was it, El Salvador and, and another country just in the last couple of weeks uh, have accepted Bitcoin as their currency. People are buying goods there with Bitcoin. Um, so it's it's here to stay. You need to understand, at least be able to recognize what's happening. There will be opportunities. Um, but even if you're not in the space, um, hearing Ed's uh, evolution, um, from sales and, and big companies to launching his own thing is um, is going to be quite quite um, inspirational, uh, instructive. Um, so you know you're in for a treat. All right. Uh, if you've still got questions on this stuff, um, you know do some research. I, I link to his uh, to his business. He's he's teaching people how to do this. Um, so you know I link to his business uh, in the show notes. Um, so avail yourself of that. Um, you know, don't just dismiss this. Don't just poo-poo it. Uh, at least become conversant. Okay. So you can have an intelligent conversation with folks and make an informed decision. Okay. Uh, you know, we talk about this and a lot of, uh, other things in the sell more of everything group. Go check that out. Sell more of everything.com. Get all the content from the make every sale video series, uh, as well as the live calls each week in the private group. You can ask me questions. Uh, and then when you get in there, if you want, if you would like personal private access to me, there's an option on the Sell More of Everything group uh, for you to avail yourself of that. You can go month to month. You can save a chunk, uh, do it for a year. Still super affordable. Um, and you can email me, you can text me, call me. Um, I'll help you with deals. I've got a couple of clients like that. 
uh, help them with negotiations, you know, brainstorming, uh, talking with their managers, you know, how to manage their managers, which is critical. You need help inside of your own company. That's probably my biggest secret, <laughs> how I've succeeded over the years. Uh, well, I was selling mobile homes. Good old Becky, the, op- the operations manager there. She loved me. When a deal came in, somebody called, she went to me first to hand me the deal because I treated her right, uh, but she knew I would treat the customers right. Uh, when I was in tech sales, um, uh, late 2000 to 2004, um, I was in tight with the IT department. So this was you know back before Blackberries. Uh, well, we had Blackberries in the wild, but my company did not have their own Blackberry server. But I figured out that that was a key to being productive, getting my emails while I was out and about. Because we, we just had flip phones, you know, back then. And uh, I, I bought one and I sweet-talked my IT department to BCC my, I think it was Verizon, I don't know, Verizon or AT&T, I forget. But, you know, you, you had, it was like your phone number at vz.blackberry or whatever, you know. But they would BCC my BlackBerry email address. And so you, you didn't have the IMAP where everything was synchronized, but at least I could get my messages in real time and respond. Uh, I closed more business because of that, because I could respond in a timely manner. Uh, when I worked for the next company, it was also in technology. It was computers versus telecom. Um, but, you know, again, I made friends. I made friends with uh, the guy that ran the, the demo pool. So I had more gear signed out to me than anybody else. So I could put it in the hands of more prospects and close more deals that way. So you need to, to make friends with folks on the inside. All right. So uh, that's some of the coaching that I do with with um, folks in my private coaching so it's, um, you know, you can call it life coaching, business coaching, sales coaching, uh, help with the verbiage on your emails. Uh, I'm working with a guy right now. <laughs> I was editing his emails over text. He'd send me screenshots, and they were just terrible. And um said, no, reword it this way. Here's the subject. You know, now send it. Boom. Got the business. Um, coaching a radiologist on how to get hired. He just got hired. Um he was stressed. He's my age um, and was getting laid off. He had a 90-day uh, warning, and uh, a lead came in quick. Then they got went kind of cold, told him how to, how to navigate it, got the business. So, you know, got the job. So, check it out, sellmoreofeverything.com if you need some private uh, one-on-one help. That's uh, an option there as well, okay? So after you sign up for that, come back and listen to this episode with Ed McCormick. Ed McCormick, surrounded by young children. Welcome to the sales podcast, man. How the heck are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. <laughs> hey, I, I will be bummed if one of the kids don't come in and your wife has to low crawl and you have to shoo them out, man. Did you see that video? Uh so that this has happened to me. This happened to me about two weeks ago. Uh, I was do, I was doing a, a podcast, and all of a sudden, my two and a half year old just barges in with a screwdriver. So immediately, we're playing a game of chicken. He's looking at me. I'm looking at him, and I'm saying, "What are you about to do with that screwdriver?" 
And as he's coming in and he's just toying with me, he's taking the screwdriver and just sort of grazing the wall. My wife comes in and I, fortunately, you know, I don't know how much of it made the, the final episode, but I am doing hand motions that uh, I'm, I don't speak sign language, but I'm sure none of it is appropriate. <laughs> oh, man. But did you see the one, that guy that was on the BBC? Uh, which one is that? Oh, yeah. You got to look at it. It was before COVID, right? Because now, like, rules have yeah. kind of changed. People, you know, kids in the background, whatever. We just, people are like, yeah, we all work from home and we're all in this together. But this, this was, like, right before. So it was a couple years ago. And this guy calling in from home. And you could see his his door to his room. I have and seen it, this. I have seen this. Yes. Like his kid wasn't two oh. and a half, like barely walking. So probably, I'm, if I remember right, you know, a year-ish. And the, the wife, yeah. she's low crawling, but you can see her. And he's mortified, but they, yeah. they had him back on and, and they were laughing about it. It was awesome. Uh, um, it's so- I, I, that, that briefly went through my head where, okay, this is not the first time. I know. Just- People have dealt with this, so. That's why I've rearranged like my office. So my door is there. So my seven-year-old, she'll still, I hear the door open. She'll stick her head in. She's like, are you on a, are you on a call, daddy? <laughs> like, <laughs> come on. I mean, they'll bring food. And you'll, you'll just see like, I'm talking all of a sudden I'm eating. Like, well, where did that come from? Just bring it right in, man. <laughs> Little tips, you know, secrets of the trade. I, I just put a lock on it. So two weeks ago, just yeah, construction. The, then they just bang on the door. I don't know. It's um, I've been doing this since '09, so I've had kids of all ages run through the house and dogs barking and uh, oh well, it's all good, man. Yeah. Yeah, so well, all right, I gotta ask something. Sure, I'm looking at your LinkedIn. We'll get into this whole D chain cryptocurrency trading in a minute. <laughs> you worked at MySpace. I did. And I've met Tom. There's actually two of them. There's Tom and there's Chris. Tom. I thought you were going to say there are two Toms. Like that's amazing. No, no, that's, uh, and he looks just like that. The white shirt sitting in front of his little whiteboard, uh, super relaxed, casual guy. Really nice. Chris. Complete opposite. He's the one who he's, you know, wear sunglasses at night. He made headlines and this is Oh seven, Oh eight ish. He was dating Perez Hilton and he wanted everyone to know it like the complete opposite. And uh, funny enough, I was in, I, I'll never forget this. I was, we were in New York. This is where we were located at the time. We had just moved into the news court building because they acquired us, which we want to talk about oil and vinegar, put MySpace in the same building and one floor down from Fox news. See if they gel. Mm. Us in, I mean, I dressed, you know, mostly, you know, business casual and professional. I had to go into meetings, but if you weren't in sales or business development, you were in shorts in the summer, flannel mm-hmm. in the winter. There was, <laughs> there was a, a mandatory three-piece suit, it seemed, uh, on that side of the house. So it right. was very funny, but I remember being at a meeting and at that time, MySpace was, I think, third biggest website in the U.S., only wow. behind... It was Google, Yahoo, and then MySpace. And wow. someone had asked, you know, are you worried about Facebook? And Chris, being very dismissive, just kind of blew it off and said, you know, it's for college kids. 
this is this is for you know mainstream media and mainstream mm. public. Mm. And I think a, a couple of months went by and they flipped. They said you don't need to have a, a college email address anymore. Right. And then overnight it just went yep. complete flip, just a, a seesaw. So it's fun. It was fun while it lasted. It was a great team. Cool. Probably the best, absolutely without a doubt, the best sales team I've seen in my entire career. Spanning, you know, that includes Apple and and Teeds, which uh, why know, was a good. They were really good at bringing in um, top tier talent. So our, our head of sales was uh, the showman named John, who wound up being the the head of sales for uh, for Spotify. The COO uh, was uh, well. Oh my God, I'm going, I'm going blank on his name. Come to me in one sec. You, you wound up being the COO of Twitter. Like they, it was like a murder's row. And I think the big reason was when you, especially if you're looking at sales, oftentimes, and, and there's something, you know, in the digital media world, you sort of have this thing against people in the TV or radio where their version of selling is just wearing down the carpet to the fax machine, just getting mm-hmm. insertion orders. Yeah. Uh, there's no, there's no selling. Right. With digital, it comes down to if you have a product that really is not a must have, it doesn't sell itself, you got to sort of hone in those skills. And these guys were just, they were the, they were great. They have good training. Phenomenal training. Um, and it was, it was very much a, it was a steel sharpened steel scenario. Uh, you know, if you wanted to move into their sales organization, you had to pitch in rooms in front of them. Now that's standard for any, you know, seasoned seller. Every time you hear the word season, I think paprika, but uh, you think of someone who's just starting out their sales career with just, and they're not taking it easy, fairly vicious <laughs> attendees mm-hmm. who are giving you, you know, constructive feedback. Uh, it was one where they, you, you learn pretty quick and you're thrown in the deep end. And, and yeah. there were, there was a, a great, group to learn from um, and ultimately sort of help me sort of take that next step and, and merge business development with uh, product and engineering, which has sort of been a, a, my route into crypto. Nice. I remember when I had a MySpace account, <laughs> I asked somebody, I was like, who's this dude, Tom? And why are we friends? <laughs> They're like, he's the founder and he's everybody's friend. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I forget what comedian said. They uh, they were like Tom has more friends than Craigslist, but Craig has weirder friends. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh man, so you have an interesting yeah. background, MySpace, Apple, um, but you've you've jumped into the crypto space. Yeah. Why, man? Why? What are, are you crazy? <sighs> You know, Warren Buffett said crypto is like, I don't know, fake or something. Why, why are you in this space, man? Well, crypto, uh, Warren Buffett also famously said for decades that gold was the dumbest investment that you could ever make. In fact, I think he said if aliens were looking down at us, they would think we're the dumbest species in the universe because we kill each other to dig up this shiny metal. We then polish it up and then put it back underground. Back in the ground. Um, coincidentally, I think like a year or two ago, he, he wound up buying the second biggest gold mining, uh, firm in in the world. So it's funny how money will change people's opinions, uh, which is ultimately what we're seeing. Did did he buy like a 
$500 million into like a, a crypto bank or something in Brazil or somewhere? Yeah. And, and he also famously said he would never invest in tech companies until he invested in Apple and Apple became by far his source of wealth over the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, so it was just people grow, they change their opinions and, and that's what we've seen in the crypto world. But uh, in terms of you know, your question, in terms of how we started, yeah, I spent 15 years in, in tech and in, in different flavors of tech. Uh, and it sort of, I got involved personally investing, you know, in, in 2011, uh, I was out at the time I was working at Apple and I was with a few different engineers at that time, all smarter than me, which is not a big feat. And uh, they were talking about this thing that was decentralized and it was, they were talking more on the blockchain side, but they quickly shifted and started talking about Bitcoin being this currency that was built for this model. And they talked about how, you know, if you think about the internet, you know, we have a standards that's made for email, dictates how email is sent, standard for video, we have a standard for even the way that you register a domain name. There's no standard for money or how money is sent. And that was really where this thing called Bitcoin at the time fit in. And you know, I went in and out of crypto uh, as life happens and as you know, the market changed. But in effect, what actually got me to really come out of the nest and go really full bore into this was me losing my job. You know, I was I was doing well. I, life was okay at Apple. It was 2016. And I was on my honeymoon. Wife and I were high five and things are going well. Two days before it ends, I get a call, Apple shutting down our division because mm. they are now moving away from anything related to customer data and they're going nuclear on privacy. Yeah. The problem if you're going to try and run an ad division. So uh, on that long flight home, now mind you, we we're flying home from Thailand. So that was a fun flight with my new wife, uh, new unemployed husband with his new bride. Uh, had I got a lot of time to think about, okay, is this really something? And the answers really didn't come too much later when a couple months passed and you saw, you know, Cambridge Analytica came out and then all of a sudden mainstream public started to know how much information is being collected on me. What are the vulnerabilities? How does this whole system work? And that I think fueled people to start looking at at the time, Bitcoin, which had just started a bull run as, oh, wait, this could be an alternative to a scenario that we've just become aware of. And for me, you know, I grew up blue collar house. My mom is a nurse. Dad was a bus driver. And, you know, the people that I look at who were most impacted in the last four years, people who saw this, this rise in Bitcoin, and you know, made some money. They thought it was a surefire thing, and ultimately got burned, burned bad. Were these people? And for me, I was kicking around different ideas in crypto. How do I want to get involved? I knew it was a space I wanted to go in, and it just clicked one day when I looked and I asked, "Why did they get crushed?" But friends of my network didn't. They actually made a lot of money, and it became clear because it 
you look around what information did those people have, friends and family of mine. And a lot of the information is either way too complex from a technical or financial standpoint. It's wrong. And I can tell you 99% of stuff that you could find on YouTube or Twitter or Facebook related to crypto is wrong. Or very simply, uh, it's coming from questionable sources. Many times you have to play the game education or entertainment. Uh, and it became clear that that was something that I could help address. And, and I could sort of bring my knowledge of tech, my background in, in crypto, and, and bring in people I knew in different financial service fields to help build something that uh, I think would be very useful to the everyday investor. So what is your background in crypto? Yep. So, well, aside from a financial standpoint, uh, I have, I'm a broker dealer. So I have my series 63 and 65, which is oh. investment advisor. So I, I have the financial qualifications. Uh, I also founded uh, a hedge fund, a crypto-based hedge fund. So I'm the founder and CIO of that. Uh, and that's going pretty well, uh, especially in the last year. And then from a, you know, a tech standpoint, from a crypto perspective, uh, I've invested both personally and as a, a limited partner into crypto businesses. Um, so this is, I think, really where the value that uh, the platform that I built and sort of the, the POV that I have makes sense for a lot of people. Because for me, when I look at cryptocurrency, I don't look at, I love to trash Doge. So here's... Here's my opportunity. Don't, don't buy it. Uh, but it's not, you know. To the moon, so, baby. To the moon. I love it. I love it. We're all going to space cowboys. Uh, it's not necessarily, you know, I like this currency because it, you know, it trades in this way or, you know, it has a, a cool little meme. It's for me, you look at the companies because these are real tech companies that are ultimately at a crossroads of I need to raise capital. I need money to, to scale. Do I want to go the traditional route and go to a venture capital firm and give up 30 to 40% of my blood, sweat, and tears? Or I can just create a token, which gives people percentage of all revenue or utility on this platform I'm building and only give up 10%. And in that process, build all these brand ambassadors through the use of equity as marketing. And you're seeing these mega, mega founders, these founders who have five, six, seven successful nine-figure exits, some 10-figure exits opted to go the second route, that they don't want to give up 30% to Peter Thiel or Andreessen Horowitz or any of the other big ones. And you now have an opportunity to invest in a company where you wouldn't even be able to get close. You wouldn't be able to get within five fundraising rounds of some of these companies, unless you are a multi-multi-millionaire, you now have direct access to their, their, their seed, their angel investing. And it, it created this sort of this world where you're, you're sort of bringing companies and people closer together and removing a lot of that middle layer. And that's where I, I sort of help people understand this is not any different than what we saw in the 90s. Most people, you know, thinking back would say, well, you know, I, if I had a chance to invest in Netflix with when Reed Hastings was saying, you should do this mail order DVD instead of going to Blockbuster Video, I should have done that. But that was a stupid idea. 
at the time. Or Amazon, Jeff Bezos couldn't string a sentence together because he was a quant off Wall Street and he was building a bookstore. Also a stupid idea. Even more so, what about you know these two you know, PhDs out of University of Maryland who ride around their segways in these office talking about that they're going to help organize the internet? Well, also probably a dumb idea. It just happened that that was Google. And ultimately, these ideas that seemed weird at that time because it was using tech in a way that either people hadn't thought of before or were creating new sources of value, it wound up making, right now, if you look at the, the most valuable companies in the world, five of the top six. The only one that's beating out, which is number three, is uh, Saudi Aramco. So we'll figure that out. We'll, we'll disrupt the oil industry next. <laughs> well, isn't it safe to say, though, I mean, there's there's so many startups, there's so many good ideas. Um, I mean, it's hard to beat yourself up when, you know, one out of a, a million becomes something like that. It's easy to shake your head at, at some of these past successes, um, you know, and ignore them from back in the day. But, you know, how how do we know now how? How can we discern like where to put our time and money, uh, yeah. you know, from, from those looking backwards, right? Those, what are those lessons learned? So uh, the short answer is we have a platform called Dechained who does that for you. It introduces you to a lot of this, uh, but in all seriousness, this, that, I mean, that's a great point. And it, it's come up where people say, well, I just didn't, there were a lot of companies but there were certain ones that it didn't, there was no reason to invest into Apple until you know, mid 2000s, okay? Well, if you look at the movie that is probably the most iconic of the 90s or in that top 10, Apple plays a pretty big part in one of them, Forrest Gump. Just happens that Forrest invests in an orchard. Lieutenant Dan puts his money smartly into an orchard, um, into a fruit company. Those things continue to pop up where you saw movies and TV bubbled a lot of these companies that had these pretty unique ideas to the surface. Jeff Bezos did well over a thousand interviews in 1998 alone on broadcast TV, but people didn't know about Amazon and Jeff until the 2000s. So where I'm trying to go with this is that what we have today is not much different than what we had back then. The difference is, is we have new services or we're introducing new services like Dechain, the one that we launched, where it's not just telling you about cryptocurrencies, but it's saying, here are you know, real world problems that are getting solved by these companies. Here's not only information about them, but here's information about their founders, what big companies they were a part of, what services you might use today that they created. And here's the way that you can invest in them. And here's exactly step-by-step how to do it if this is something that you're interested in. And you know, one step further that we make even easier, similar to you know, Motley Fool or Zach's, is we even put together, you know, here's our top three to five you know, picks every single week that either because of you know, macro news or new developments that we say, you should keep your eye on these. These are, these could be big. Uh, and 
you know, fortunately for us, you know, we've been doing pretty well with those over the last year um, since we launched. So yeah, it's, it's tough. It's a full-time job. It's, it turned my hair red from having to do all of it. And, uh, but fortunately we do a lot of legwork for people. So you're, you're helping people figure out new, where to invest in new startups in the crypto space or also saying, Hey, now's put more money in Bitcoin, put more money in Ethereum. So a little bit of both. Uh, we, the, the problem that we solve is this, is that there are, you know, two camps. One camp is there's a lot of people that want to get involved in crypto, but simply either don't know enough how to do it. They don't feel confident or they just don't see how it's practical and, and why it's a viable, you know, place to put their money. And, you know, Motley Fool did a great study in May that outlines all of that. The other is that most people who buy, surprisingly, well, the majority, it's the first time they've ever bought cryptocurrency and they've done it in the last 12 months, but there's a large percent of them that have absolutely no idea what the hell they own. And to me, that's the scariest group. That's the group that that keeps me up at night because this is the group that literally, you know, were the ones who sort of drove into the brick wall in 2016, 2017. Um, and, and, and those are the ones that we want to be able to say, we're going to tell you a little bit about what blockchain is in, in easy to understand terms, you know, explain, you know, like blockchain, for instance, with how things are agreed upon. You know, I played street football when I was a kid. If you ever wanted to change the score and you wanted to argue that it was, you know, two to one, not three to one, you couldn't just go to one person and convince them and assume that everything's all fixed. You had to tell the whole group and make your case to the whole group. Now, imagine doing that, obviously, in a little more technological way uh, at a much greater scale. And, and sort of that's how this model of decentralization works and sort of breaking things down into terms, into examples that people can grasp and then ending there and saying, you don't need, we'll tell you how, you know, the, you know, the, the sausage is made. We'll tell you what's under the hood, but you don't have to go that deep. You don't have to be a computer scientist to know this. Here's what you need to know. Yeah, you know, is here are certain companies that are doing really well. You should keep your eye on them. We're going to tell you a little bit about why it's so disruptive. We're going to tell you, you know, ultimately, you know, what companies similar to them have done in the past. And if you want, here's the picks that we're going to make over the next week. If you want suggestions to follow, um, what we don't want to do though is, you know, sort of be that firm who's telling you, you know. You, you need to buy A, B, and C because that's where our vested interest is. It's not the case at all. We make, we make no money really off of any investment decision that our members make. What we want to be able to do is that source of you know, objective information that they could turn to and, and ultimately be that, that sort of that platform that could help not only bridge the gap between you know, them on the sidelines and getting involved in the market, but also help them grow and everything in between. Why not trade tech stocks or emerging markets or precious metals? You know, why, you know, why crypto? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't want to touch precious metals. Uh, 
nor bonds. Neither one of them are doing particularly well, um, especially in the last few years. So in terms of returns, uh, and this is something that we talk about quite a bit, knowing our core demographic is that 35 to 49, 35 to 54. Uh, and, and truthfully, this is an, a demographic that doesn't really have the luxury of, of betting conservative um, you know, with their investments. Not only are they caretakers for their aging parents, but ta-da, because of COVID, their kids moved home too. So now they're a double caregiver uh, on top of any other you know, financial stress that they're in. So how do we give opportunities that can deliver returns that are much greater than what's available out there? And while yes, you know, there are emerging tech stocks, there are you know, your large caps that can obviously deliver returns year on year, as a whole, the stock market is somewhat, I mean, it's already showing signs of being overvalued. You're seeing already the, the sort of the, the chinks in the armor every time Jerome Powell, who's Federal Reserve, talks about interest rates. It starts to contract. While at the same time, you know, while gold is up, uh, I think the number was around 10% in the last 12 months, Ethereum's up 14x. Uh, at this time last year, it was trading about $250. As of today, it's about $3,100. So, and this is, you know, again, we're in a bull cycle and certainly it's hard to compare apples to apples. But if you just look at, you know, on average every month, you're looking at an 18% return annually uh, for all these different investments. So for me, it was a sector that is going to get disrupted. This is where the future of tech is going. Uh, I envision you'll see a lot less, you know, uh, of a, a need for most tech companies to go down the route of the NASDAQ or, uh, or the, the stock exchange. Why answer to someone from Goldman Sachs? Why answer, if you're a, a tech executive with 20 years experience, why in the hell do I want to answer a question from a 26 year old analyst at Goldman Sachs? There's, something I'd rather say to that person instead. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so I don't, they have these CEOs, these tech CEOs have saintly patience. Um, anyway, when you can ultimately sort of go a different route, get the end result, which is capital raising so that you can grow your business through, you know, a more direct avenue to your end consumer. Right. Uh, so, you're, I was licensed too way back a million years ago. Um, but man, I didn't know jack crap. All I knew was how to pass the test and how anything I said, any recommendation I made could and would be used against me. <laughs> In the court of law. You know? yeah. Like I didn't learn jack crap about trading. You know, uh, I was just told what we were underwriting at the time and go push that, you know, regardless of the fundamentals of that entity, you know? So how good, I mean, I love your questions. I mean, it's, spot almost, on. it's almost a liability for you to be licensed and jump in the crypto space, isn't it? So the truth is you don't have to be licensed at all to do any right. of this in crypto. Right. But somebody exactly. could say you're a licensed professional. You steered me in the wrong direction and somehow use it against you. I mean, theoretically. Absolutely. Um, 
and, and that's where you have to have a good lawyer with a good disclaimer that, <laughs> you know, I don't know your financial risk profile or, you know, your, your needs. Uh, and I certainly, and as, because I don't know that I can't make individual advice to you as a person. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, it's a, it's a gray area that is becoming more and more regulated and falling under more policies. So for myself, Dechained, which is a, the firm is an advisor. I'm just a representative uh, being of the firm. Uh, this is sort of a, a proactive sort of move to go where this whole industry is going, which is around compliance, around regulation, falling into line where other players in other markets and financial sectors have fallen in and operate today. Uh, but ultimately, this is where sort of the, the tie between that world and crypto sort of ends because I had a great conversation with someone who runs a, a fund focusing on biotech. And I draw cryptocurrency, the closest comparable is biotech or biomed. And the reason being is if I'm creating a new vaccine and I have, you know, I'm name it, whatever company, whatever drug, Despite that company's financial performance in the past, that means nothing to that new vaccine that they produced. What I need to know is I need to know a lot about that particular drug, that particular ailment, and ultimately what the overall landscape looks like, both in terms of competitors and what's going on at the FDA. Now, you, of course, are going to look at the cost. You're going to look at whatever fundamentals are available, but there is some art and science that needs to be used. And that's the same thing that goes on in crypto. In crypto, I can look at past performance of its founders. I could look at you know commercial value. Is it generating actual returns? Is it profitable? Does it solve a real world problem? But the fact is, is you also have to have an intimate, intimate knowledge of the landscape that's going on. How does you know the policy, how does one senator speaking at a turn on any given day going to impact this particular cryptocurrency? How is you know the judgment of Ripple and the SEC going to change how this is going to trade? How does Bank of America coming into the space improving exposure? So you need to have that understanding of how everything is interconnected and how it's ultimately sensitive to these macro forces, but also be able to sort of read from a financial standpoint, whatever information is available in a space that is notoriously opaque. Yeah. Um, I do want to get into how you launched and monetized this, but you brought up senators because there's, what, a 57-page piece of junk that's been inserted into this $2 trillion infrastructure bill that could blow up cryptocurrencies. Uh, are is that going to get yeah. squashed? I hope. <laughs> yeah. you... Well, I, I think so. Yeah. Um, Seems like there's a lot of overwhelming negative. So, so if you so. look at, and I, I would say no, I would say this is going to get killed, uh, or a very diluted version of this will inevitably get passed. Still, but if you look at direction, yeah, I mean, but the thing is that you have to look at where. Who's going to get impacted by that bill? And people like, and I'm going to make an assumption, but people like you and I are not going to get a senator to, to change the way that they're thinking. 
But what I can promise you is CEOs of big banks that also impact or have ownership stake in the Federal Reserve, because they do, uh, who are also paying big lobbyists, all of a sudden, that senator is looking around saying, well, who's going to fundraise for my next campaign? And you look at the big banks, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, Citibank, they all have and made announcements around crypto-based products and services that they're rolling out. They've gone both feet in. So you can assume that that money is not going to just sort of let one senator's opinion jeopardize countless dollars. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The other thing to look at here as well is what happened about attention on, well, why did we write $5 trillion plus of spending? <laughs> Where did $5 trillion plus of spending go? If you look at $5 trillion, just as a sort of a, as an earmark, uh, that's more money that was printed than all the years going back to 1776. We have never printed that amount of money in that 200 plus year span. If you add up all the money that was printed, we went to the moon, we built the interstate highway, we won two world wars. Didn't account for $5 trillion. Where the hell did $5 trillion go? So this is where I, I hope this bill uh, draws up some inquiries and greater inspection of how this, these funds are being spent and, and ultimately allocated because Regardless of what side you're on, either you like crypto or not, we still have to live in you know uh, an everyday economy where it that amount of spending is going to devalue and have an impact on our dollar and, and, and sort of our currency. And you have to think about the fact that that the U.S. being in the position that we are financially, it's not a right; it's a privilege. And and you know, Lael Brainerd, who's the governor of the Fed, is the one who came out and actually said that. But uh, these are things that I think crypto just being an area to help fill the gap, I think hopefully is going to generate some some good conversations to hopefully we don't ever have to get to this point where we have to do such a dr- dramatic and drastic bill. Well, you know, it's coming. I mean, the government, once they start, they never stop. Right. What Federal Reserve Act of 1913, right, created the income tax. And by mm. the time JFK was elected in 59, 60, um, the top marginal rate was like 90 percent. So government is not going to stop. And this is just a shot across the bow, even if it doesn't. You know, they'll, they'll slowly normalize the discussion around taxing and regulation and whatever of this. So, um, but. And it led to, uh, in 71, Nixon severing yeah. the, the gold standard, uh, yeah. which then shot 10 years of hyperinflation. Uh, yeah. These things all have, and, and 
by the way, that also was the reason I'm going to say his name and he's going to, it's about five o'clock when we're filming this, he's going to lift up of his coffin because that's when he wakes up. But when Gold and Peter Schiff started to blend one in the same, um, Gold before then was a very boring asset. It didn't move very much. And Gold then sh- shot to, you know, stratospheric levels. Uh, and that's why when you see, you know, the talk around Bitcoin and why banks are looking at Bitcoin, you know, Citibank was the first one who came out and said, look, the situation that we're in today from an economic standpoint is very similar to the early 70s. We're facing immense amount of government spending, except the difference is that the solution was people looked at that time to gold. This go around, people are looking at its digital equivalent. And they've sort of doubled down on, on that and built out different price predictions. But uh, inevitably, the core thing that people are looking to do is during these times, how do I just hold my value? How do I not lose the, the value of my savings or the va- value of my overall investments? Uh, and that's why you saw so many companies, I think, especially public companies, start to trade in their cash reserves for things like Bitcoin, Ethereum. Well, so holding on, maintaining my wealth versus trading in something, I mean, Trading is is vastly different than just, hmm. you know, putting 10% of my portfolio in a Bitcoin just so I'm diversified uh, and can hedge my bets a little bit. You know, who, who are you going after? Like, who's a good fit for this? Because, dude, I, I have traded and it is mm-hmm. it is not for the faint of heart. I don't trade. Uh, so one thing I, I, I am terrible at, there are many things I'm terrible at, but one thing I, I'm, I'm really bad at is uh, trying to day trade, especially in crypto, which is not only price sensitive, but the fact that most trading happens from retail investors, unlike big institutions, impossible for me. And I certainly discourage, unless you are a professional, you should not day trade at all. The group that I go after are people who are looking mostly for alternatives to what's you know, out there right now in traditional channels. So good example is, you know, if I have just some savings and I want to earn some type of interest, the best I could probably do is is go to a bank and try to get a 0.5% interest rate. Great. I mean, that might not even pay for your gas to get to the the bank. And Uh, and you get to pay uh, capital gains tax on that. It's yeah, it's, it's it's a gift. Um, (laughs) But then you look at, you know, if you want to, because again, everything ties to your risk, pro, your risk profile and, and ultimately investments that align with it. In that kind of scenario, if you simply you know, move money from your bank account, open a Coinbase account, and just put your money into USDC, USD coin, you're going to earn a 5% interest rate. So all of a sudden, now you're looking at a 10x return than what you would have gotten just in your checking account. Mm-hmm. And these, these platforms are opening up you know, their own checking accounts and their own versions. But in a most vanilla sense, building from there and saying, well, you know, this is something you could do, earn 5% with effectively 0% risk. But if you want more risk and you want more you know, upside exposure, there's other ways that you could craft that portfolio and, and places where you could look. And this is where 
for some people, and again, we want to service everyone from you know the, the very conservative to the very aggressive, where we can help and provide sort of that guidance. Because you know, for me, I've seen this crypto world go from when I put my first money in and I started investing, there was no Coinbase. There was no exchange. I had to, this is, I kid you not, go to a CVS, go to the MoneyGram, send money internationally to a person firm and, and a name overseas in the Philippines. And that person would then credit my account in Mt. Gox, which was a f- platform based out of Japan at the time, so that I can then go Bitcoin. This was a three-day process and mm-hmm. extremely shady, extremely shady. Uh, and that's how you had to buy Bitcoin. There was, there was no banks that would facilitate transactions. To see then, to go from there to, you know, Brian Moynihan of Bank of America, you know, parading down, uh, you know, Wall Street now selling Bitcoin futures, and Jamie Dimon avoiding prison yet again uh, <laughs> for one of the million different reasons, uh, running his own stablecoin. It's just wild. So it, we've we've sort of seen this market evolve. It certainly is very immature comparative wise to, you know, oil commodities equities, but with sort of that experience in identifying where trends are occurring in the tech sector or where disruption is happening. Uh, and, and so where the intersection of tech and, you know, hospitality tech and, uh, you know, medicine are occurring, you could see companies that are positioning themselves very well. You could see cryptocurrencies that are, are serving a utility that for, for many people is, is exciting. The idea, like right now, one of my favorite things, and look at what Mark Cuban is putting his money. There's a game called Axie Infinity, just a a game that exists out there on computers, lives on blockchain. And the difference is that you could earn money playing the game and then sell things that you earn out in an open marketplace. Sounds easy, but you can't do that in if you're playing World of Warcraft or Counter-Strike or any game on Apple. Apple needs that 30% cut. Uh, they're like the, the mobile pimp. And uh, I can say that because I'm not employed there for quite some time. Uh, this, these are opening up new doors and getting people excited. And, and you're seeing sort of how it's tying into you know, pop culture. And, and I think that's the reason people are driven so much to it. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, it reminds me of the, of the 90s, you know, certainly the late 90s. Um, but conversely, I mean, the late 90s ended uh, poorly <laughs> in the early 2000s. Sure. You know, so where using like 1990 or even 95 as a, as a reference point, where would you say the, the crypto space is today? Yeah, uh, and I, I miss the Alta Vista and Dogpile and Ask Jeeves, and I miss all of them. Uh, <laughs> Pets.com ads in the Super Bowl. Uh, and you, I would say, you know, we are right now in the late 90s. Oh. Know? And the fact is, is that's scary, isn't it? It's, it isn't, it isn't. You know, if you look back to the dot com boom, the reason that there was such a bloodletting was because there was so much money being invested in companies that actually had 
no real commercial value. It, it, it was evolution, just expedited. But the companies that actually used that technology, that being the internet, in a way that could create a product or service that had commercial value, that solved the real world problem, that was differentiated, they continued on and they actually got stronger. Google got stronger after the late 90s. Amazon got stronger. Netflix got stronger. And we'll see that here. We're certainly, you know, the crypto market fortunately goes into cycles. And I say fortunately because it cleans out the crap (laughs) in in any market. There's going to be crap that comes out. And, you know, what happens is the strong projects continue on. They bring in more talent and they grow and, and we'll continue to see that. And for where you know tech is going especially you know the next evolution when you see you know internet of things which just means you know you're all of us are going to have more devices that are connected to the internet and they're going to produce a lot more data and ultimately that data could be harnessed for good or it could be utilized and stored in a way that uh is is protected and that really only being decentralization. You could look at any government, any government agency in the world. And I ask, think back 90 days. Have they not been hacked? Every one of them has been hacked. In fact, at least probably once a week. Um, the NSA is hacked. FBI is hacked. They all hacked because they have a physical location and that's a target. And it's just ticking time. Who gets in it first? Mm-hmm. With things like you know decentralization, that creates a scenario where your data is safe. And think about your own health records. One of the most lucrative hacking industries is ransomware around health records. So this is this provides you know sort of this this next sort of phase when it comes to connectivity. On top of as we start to go down artificial intelligence and machine learning, improving you know different services, different products around us. Uh, but for that to happen. It needs to eat and consume a lot of data. And, and that's where we're going, where we're, we're moving from this world that is sort of overseen by several digital overlords. I hate to over-dramatize it, but it really is. Uh, to a, a new world where you don't have to have, you know, Google, Facebook, Apple approving what you're doing, uh, whether it's a purchase, whether it's going online, the way that you use your phone. You can ultimately then have what's called trustless, which is we create a contract like a vending machine. You meet determined terms. Outcome is then output. It becomes very black and white. It starts to make things a lot more automated. Um, there's a lot of use cases there uh, that we could probably go down, especially as you start to look at uh, food labelings. And there are many studies that show that uh, what you buy in the grocery store it's not necessarily what you think you're getting, um, <laughs> especially in the meat section. Um, and there's ways to fix that all the way down to sort of the, this, this new open environment where it, it allows people, it lowers the barrier for new entrepreneurs, new innovators to come in. And, and that's always a good thing as well. So what led you down this path of membership side and training and, and how did you start to monetize that? Yeah, it's certainly not for riches. I can promise you that. Um, <laughs> I can, it would have been much more lucrative for me to just sit 
you know, in this, in my office and, and sort of focus in on my own trading and then focus in on finances. But uh, this is something that I was, I was passionate about. And I, I also didn't want to do something that, well, I wanted to create something that was missing out there in the market that actually had some type of productive value for people. Uh, there's enough information out there that if you are the under the age of 30, we're probably not the platform for you. There's so much information out there. Go to any site. If you look at the images that they use, the tone that they talk about, the examples that they use, sort of the exa- the, the different analogies, it's, 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 it's very clear with crypto, just based on what's out there right now, what crypto is made for. Young, affluent, and tech savvy. And if you don't fit in that box, crypto is not for you. And that's not... So define young, man. I mean, you know, I yeah, feel young. I'm, I'm, I, I mean, trust me. Look, I'm I'm doing lunges as I talk to you right now. I'm just holding on. Uh, but, you know, the fact is that's not what this whole thing was was built for and created. And, and, and there really needs, there needed to be sort of this new, easy way for people to get involved and to also feel like they had a place to turn to and that they felt included. And, and that's what I wanted to build. And, you know, in saying that, I also wanted to make it very transparent in terms of the way that we pay for all these fancy lights and cameras and, and writers and developers. You can either offer some type of membership and do it in a, where we're not gouging people. It's very affordable. Right now for $19 a month, you get access to our, our crypto picks. $19 is a fraction of what it costs just in a trading fee in crypto. And you're getting access to that for the whole 30 days. Uh, and, and ultimately to provide that in a way where anyone could, could come in, could learn and feel like they're not the end product. If you look online, there's no shortage of content related to crypto, no shortage. But then at the same time, I ask you, how many people do you know that are really raking it in, in crypto? Most people well, don't know anyone. Oh, my friends say they are. I saw their posts on Facebook. <laughs> well, I, I stopped using Facebook because uh, certain uncles and aunts think that, uh, you know, the government's listening on in on you and they're wearing tin hats. So, well, they are yeah. listening. <laughs> Ever since I'm the sure. Patriot Act, but I digress. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, the fact is there's a lot of people who, you know, who still feel unsure, unconfident, uh, who also simply just want to go somewhere where they feel like when they're told, here's something that you need to buy, that the person that's producing that is not selling it at that point. And, and funny enough, in the last year, a lot of the big influencers you know, on YouTube, on social media, in a process of sort of washing their hands, because they've made a ton of money doing this, they've started outing each other and saying, hey, what about this trade? What about that crypto? You got paid. You were a venture... You got early access to uh, to buy that before the public, and then you were you were pitching that in this video, but because all your trading is public, I saw that you were selling it at that point. Um, which, by the way, I don't think you have to look much further than Wall Street; they do that too. But uh, but Martha are- Stewart would never do that. Look, if they could put Martha Stewart in jail, they could put any of us in jail. Uh, but yeah, I mean, ultimately what I wanted is a place that people could trust. And when they ask, well, how do they monetize? It's very clear. 
we don't have any advertising. We don't do sponsorships. And anytime that we, we put out, here's our recommendations, here's what you know, we're investing in, we make sure that we provide those disclaimers, um, which seems like it's cut and dry, but I ask you, are you, are you getting that same type of disclaimer on, in other markets? And the answer is generally is, is a no. Right. So are you saying you're doing this out of the goodness of your heart? Uh, well, look, you know, we, our money is made primarily in the fund. The D-chained is certainly not a moneymaker. Uh, D-chained is, is a way for us to avoid the market going the, the way that it did in 2018, 2019, where people were burned so bad that truthfully, it, it sort of took a miracle that you had big institutions who kept in investing that we were able to rebound. Dechained is a way we make a little bit of money. We, we cover our costs, but this is sort of the livelihood of you know, our, our overall investment in the space in other businesses. Um, and in saying that, you know, we hope to get more people interested, participating, excited, because you know, if people are not losing their shirts over the next two years, we have viable hedge fund, we have viable you know, business to business advisory firm, et cetera. So this is sort of a, a, a way for us to bring people in, get them excited, and then hopefully as they grow, become you know, clients of ours in, in our other areas of our business. So it's, it's an exposure thing, just a, like a long-term play? For us, it is. It is. I mean, there's been a lot of you know, great publications out there. There's been a lot of you know, phenomenal sites, but truthfully, you know, we waited long enough. We've launched this you know, late last year and either we did it or someone else was going to have to come in and, and produce something. Mm-hmm. Um, and for us being, you know, sort of having the qualifications and the registrations, which is going to be a big area of focus when it comes to policy in the next 12 to 24 months, combined with just that experience, both in, in tech and helping, you know, build businesses, launch businesses, sell businesses in the, in the tech space, combined with crypto, we just had this, this, this viewpoint that I think if you were just coming in from the finance world, you have a very hard time understanding, you know, how do I fundamentally analyze the value of these cryptocurrencies? How do I know that things are moving? And truthfully, why you don't see that many banks or this many, you know, investment firms making too much noise yet in the space because they don't have a fluency in it. It's sort of like that third cousin that, that uh, yeah, the third cousin kind of look like him, but in many states you could probably marry him or her. So um, it's close enough, but it's, it's also. Hey, I, that's still too close to home, man. I may have to edit that out. Golly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what they say in the South, huh? It's like say, mommy, if, if, if I get divorced from my hubby, will we still be brother and sister? But, but I digress. <laughs> Oh man, the jokes I could tell. Um, look, I'm a, I'm a new transplant in the South, <laughs> down in Richmond, Virginia. Well, I say, you know what? You know what? A divorce and a tornado have in common in the South, huh? Somebody's going to lose a trailer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I digress. You get me off topic. Just, just just noting, you laughed first. I didn't laugh. I laughed <laughs> second. Hey, I cracked myself up. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh man. So like how much time will this take me if I'm on your side? I mean, you know, married kids, got my own business. I don't have time. I can't be getting Mm. some PhD in crypto stock buying and selling. I mean, can I, can I do this quickly through your site? Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm happy you asked. That's, I mean, that's really the central focus is we want to give you the information, but we know people aren't going to sit there for hours. We want to make it convenient. That's why we put out newsletters that you know, within it's five minute read. Here are the highlights that you need to know. Here are names that you might be familiar with, things that you should just keep on your radar. We put out you know analysis every day. You can opt to have it delivered to your phone, to your email, or not. Check out the site. Or if you just simply want to go down the route of just tell me what to buy, we offer that as well. So we sort of give you, you know, different levels of exposure, different paths to take based on how involved you want to be and how much time you have. But what we know people don't have is generally time to have to try to figure it out for themselves. And, you know, the saying goes, people don't know what they don't know. And this is where I think people oftentimes get get themselves in trouble. So if we can save you time and, and give you the key pieces of information that you need to know, then we've done our job. How will I know, like, how do I know how much to put in, right? Because it seems like everybody is right until I buy. And then when I buy, <laughs> everything is like, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a contra indicator, sell whatever I buy. Um, you know, do I put in $50, you know, $500, uh, put enough in that I can still sleep at night, you know, but the 11 people say, man, I made, I made 500%. Like how much you put in? Yeah. I mean, I just bought like $7, you know? Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. You're, you're, <laughs> that's not life-changing money. You know, I mean, that's the catch 22 of all this, right? By the time you put in enough money to make a difference, you know, you can't sleep at night because uh, you're so damn worried about it. But if you don't put in de- decent money, you're just, it's, it's a hobby. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of sort of debates on this. You know, you'll have some camps that will say, you know, aim for 1%, 1 to 5%. Some that go, go up to 10. Uh, and of course, if things are going well, hopefully in a year, you have to rebalance that. Uh, here's the thing is, you have to put enough where it's you're going to be able to stomach any level of risk because crypto in general comes with risk. Even if you're buying a stable coin and we saw that with tether, you know, there are certain exchanges that could just shut it down. But the fact is this is, you know, there is a place, you know, in someone's portfolio. It's a way of diversifying, uh, and if it's nothing less than a you know, way of diversifying away from cash and the U.S. dollar, good analogy is, you know, if you look at Bitcoin, well, Bitcoin is not correlated to the dollar. So when the dollar goes up, Bitcoin generally goes down and, and inverse. And Bitcoin and gold are not correlated from each other. So by default, what you are able to do is hedge against the market taking a turn and you're not making the same bet twice. So for, for anything else, if you're just looking at, Hey, I want to figure out a way that I could use Bitcoin or cryptocurrency as a hedge against 
potential turn in the market, this is where you could find a, a home for crypto in general. And you might want to look, there's many different indexes that are created um, as a, a, a portion of what you might allocate to gold or other precious metals. Uh, and do you, do you make recommendations on uh, ETFs or funds? I mean, there's like, what is it? Grayscale and Bitwise and yeah. there's some other. I'm going to read this. Don't buy Grayscale. Okay. <laughs> no, it's it's a joke. Tell me how you really They're, feel. Yeah, they. Um, no, it's if you would like to pay me twenty percent above the price of buying Bitcoin on Coinbase, I will more than happy do it for you because that's what you're doing. Um, no, I digress. Uh, those are funds that they do. They they make it easy, but ultimately, what you're just buying is Bitcoin. You're just buying you know Ethereum or you're buying a basket of things that you could learn how to make in five minutes. Um, and you're paying a, a hefty premium to do it. These, these are not firms that, you know, like in the equities world, if you were to go to, you know, um, well, mutual funds can't use leverage, but if you were to go to, you know, a, a broker at Pershing Square, which is part of Citibank, or you were to go to you know, any other fund and say, all right, I want to be in, you know, this, momentum fund. Well, they can add certain layers of hedges and they could use different derivatives and they could use these financial models. That's illegal. You can't do any of that in crypto yet. It's not regulated. So what they're literally doing is buying a little bit of Bitcoin, a little bit of Ethereum, and then mixing in you know, USD, US dollar into that mix as a risk protection. That's it. And they're going to charge you a nice 2% management fee and 20% off the top uh, to do that. So what I would suggest is this is, you know, for, if you're looking to get started, start simple, get your feet wet, start with, you know, the, the large cap. Ethereum is a great place to start. Just went through a major upgrade, has some really, you know, great sort of headwinds facing it right now. Um, or at its back and build say, head, headwinds are good. What headwinds are bad. <laughs> yeah. It's got wind at its back. Um, it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of really good things happening there. Uh, that's where a lot of institutional money, the big banks are starting to put their money into projects built on Ethereum and then start to build out from there, you know, start to learn about, you know, other areas in crypto like DeFi, like gaming, like NFTs, data, and, and start to diversify there because um, there's there's ways of ultimately mitigating your risk, but also growing and being exposed to sort of the returns that you always hear about when people talk about crypto. And, and that's ultimately sort of, if I could give one piece of advice is, well, one, take the time to sort of read about what you're about to invest in. It, starting up a Coinbase account and not really understanding the difference between Bitcoin and Ethereum, which we're happy to do. We offer it for free on our site. It's sort of like getting behind the car and only knowing, getting behind the wheel of a car for the first time and only knowing how to step on the gas. You don't have to slow down or turn. That's going to end up in a wreck. And I can promise you that that's generally what happens when people just start jumping in. It's gambling. So take the, take 30 minutes and just learn a little bit about it. And we're happy to provide you sort of that material and those, those videos and resources. 
and then start small and sort of figure out, you know, what you're comfortable with and, you know, give a, come over, give D chain a try and, and, and let us help kind of guide you and steer you in the right direction. Um, for us, you know, our, our team, everyone has qualifications and licenses. They're not, you know, some, some kid living in parents' basement just because he's good at the internet. He's now doing crypto. Uh, we have people who've been doing this quite a bit. Let us help provide sort of that guidance there. And, and for us, whether you make the trade or not, that's your decision. We don't take any commission. What we want to make sure that we do, though, is uh, that we're building this community of you know, very confident, very informed investors. And that for us, for Dechained, that's the end goal of this platform, of this business. And, and we're really excited about it. And this is the one that, you know, for me, I'm, you know, extremely passionate about because this helps bring people into this space that we haven't seen this type of investment opportunity since the nineties. So we're really excited to, you know, be a part of this and, and to welcome people in. Oh man, there was the whole, um, buying mortgages, you know, in like, I don't know, 2004, 2008, that was awesome. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, countrywide, that was a great firm for a while. And Ameriprise, despite, you know, they had their own auditors doing their appraisals. Yeah. Hey, it's all who you know, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you've got a YouTube channel, get your website, and it's uh, yeah. the letter D chained.com, right? Yeah. And if you're listening, Summer Gains, we made it really easy. We have a, a promotion going. So people want to. Come well, check say, out. say that slowly though. It's gains, like getting gains. bigger versus not gains. Like gains. Like, yeah. Like getting Olympics. gains. Yeah. Yeah. Summergains.com. We're, we're not pushing people to the Olympics yet. So it's summergains.com. It's funny because it's supposed to be muscle. I just got fatter as you'll see in the videos. And uh, it's, we basically give you sort of the, that a la carte menu, uh, whatever sort of you're looking for the education or just simply Tell me what to buy or teach me how to earn. And that's ultimately what that's all about. So summergains.com or check us out on YouTube, D-Chained, D-C-H-A-I-N-E-D. Okay. Yeah. Come, come check us out. And, you know, the people listening, it's like you, all of this information, at least most of it, is available somewhere on the interwebs for free. I mean, you can learn how to, do brain surgery on the internet if you're just dedicated enough and hunt around, right? I mean, you pay to have things consolidated, uh, aggregated, um, you know, and, and sort it, right? Cut through the, the crap, you know, because for a few bucks, if you can, if it gives you back an hour, you know, an hour a day, an hour a week, you know, it's, and you can have some comfort and I got to imagine, I mean, you got a community there, right? People can chat and, and, and bounce ideas off of one another. You know, I've always said, I just, I gave a talk this morning, you know, people will pay for two things, exclusivity and experience. So you want to be around other people that are not just dabbling, right? They're investing. They are taking whatever it is that you're doing seriously, right? I spend $159 a month to get my butt beaten five <laughs> to six days a week in jujitsu, right? But these guys, I get, I get coached by an expert. I'm my, 
I have peers, you know, that are very good. I have other experts, guys above me, all teaching me. And, you know, and I, Mm. I, I, I'm, I'm sparring with a new guy. I learned something. Maybe I'm too casual with a big new guy and I get caught, you know, uh, and, and maybe I catch a more experienced guy and we all, we learn. So, but everybody's more focused because we're paying. If our instructor did it for free, I mean, you, you think it would be great, but the reality is there'd be so many people. I remember I was so pissed off when I was recruited by the Air Force Academy to play football. Um, you know, they flew me up. They, they courted me, right? The coach came down, I signed, and, and I show up on day one, and there's 150 freshmen on the field. Because the academy, you know, it's a lot, you got to be in shape. I mean, it's a lot of athletes, a lot of, so they let a lot of kids walk on. Mm. And so now they just have bodies to just throw at, at the first team, right? All these walk-ons, they're just meat for the varsity to just pummel. And I'm like, okay, I didn't sign up for that. Y'all did not explain that to me, <laughs> right? And uh, so they're like, yeah, my, you know, we need, you know, we need a few here, but I can go to the, go to the gym. I'm like, I'm going to the gym. You know, because the problem was you had the second string guys on varsity went crazy. They went all out because they think they're they think they're going to make first team by beating up a freshman, right? Yeah. Running some drills and the freshman like we have to line up like our opponent plays, right? Because we have to help the varsity get ready for that week's game. So we're not running our defense. We're running Notre Dame's defense. We're running Utah's defense. We're running BYU's defense. So it's like we're not – yeah, I'm getting a little better because I'm getting some reps, but I'm not learning my my team's structure, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, kiss my ass. I'm not, I'm not doing this, <laughs> you know? And so then second year comes around, a bunch of guys quit. All right, they get better, you know, but then the coaches change. But I was so disgruntled. You know, you show up – if anybody can walk on, everybody will, and then it's just a crap experience. You know, so be happy uh, that there's a small fee because it it sorts the wheat from the chaff, and then you know you're dealing with motivated people. So, yeah, and and we also have people who are excited to actually contribute uh, on the other side. You know, we have different experts. We have a lawyer, we have an accountant, we have someone you know in the finance world. Uh, who help break down sort of things that are going on in the news and help make sense. And coming from, you know, a CPA's mouth or a lawyer's mouth and, and them saying, look, here's what this new you know, bill really means for you as yeah. a taxpayer. Uh, because I think that helps clarify that a lot of concerns that people have. And these are all things that they're contributing. They're not paid. They're, they just, they're passionate about crypto and, and they want to help bring people in because there's a lot of misinformation out there. So you know, we're happy and really proud to sort of bring these people um, you know, to these different Q&As and, and workshops that, that we host you know, on a weekly, monthly basis. Yeah, that's cool. All right, so I'm linking to it, dchained.com. Ed McCormick, man, nice job on locking the door. Okay, keep those kids. <laughs> show those kids who's boss when they're young, man. They're, they're going to run all over you, so... You keep that door locked. Have a little little gap, like like a prison, right? You have your wife like slip some food in there, throw some sandwiches through the gap. Okay, you just keep working. 
you know what? I just stock up this room full of deli meats and Gatorade. And I'll, I'll, I'm like Howard Hughes. I'll see you in like six years. My wife's like, why'd you put a, a fridge and, and, and a sink and a pantry upstairs? Like, Shh, don't worry about that, honey. <laughs> She's going to start charging you rent. <laughs> cool, man. Ed McCormick, dchain.com. Thanks for coming on, dude. It's been great catching Thank up. Thank you. Great chatting. Thank you. All right, man. Have a great day. Find a need and fill it. That's what he's doing. That's what you need to do in your business, in your investing life, your side hustle, whatever it is. Find a need and fill it, and life gets easy. All right? If you're struggling with that, if you're looking for ways, for inspiration, somewhere to vent, join us, sellmoreofeverything.com. If you need some one-on-one stuff, avail yourself of that opportunity as well. Just add it that option. Um, I was doing those sporadically as people ask, but now I've uh, just added it as a month-to-month or an annual option on the sellmoreofeverything.com page. Come join us, all right? Thanks for listening. Don't go sell something.